Hello, and welcome to another Science of the Southland recap show. Uh, it is Sunday, September 20th, and as always, I'm Akshay Schwarin, and joining me from the beautiful city of Atlanta, Georgia, is none other than Mr. Jake Grant. How are you doing today, sir? Fine, can't complain. Spent most of the day out on the balcony. It's a gorgeous day here in Atlanta. What's not to love? Um, you know, uh, judging by the Falcons' performance this afternoon, I can uh, name quite a few things, uh, but that is another entire podcast for another entire day. Um, so why don't we get started with what we got on the slate today? I think we got we got some non-rev stuff to talk about. We'll, we'll cover what else happened um, around in the ACC. We'll talk about the UCF game. Um, and then we'll also uh, look forward to uh, next week versus Syracuse. How does that sound to you? Sounds good to me. Let's get started. All right. So first up, I, I'm told that you have some non-rev sports news to discuss. Yes. I'm going to try and keep it quick. Um, but cross-country uh, swimming and volleyball on the docket. Um, cross-country was supposed to be in Athens. Nobody wants to be in Athens right now, so they didn't go. Uh, they went to Gainesville instead, Florida State, Florida, Miami. Men came back with the second place. Uh, women came back with the first. Um, for anybody who's followed it recently, the women have been the better of the two teams. That kind of held true again today, but uh, it was good to see them knock off Florida State because they're usually pretty decent in the conference. Um, women were led by a senior and junior heavy lineup, but the men actually had a lot of contributions from uh, freshmen, sophomores, and all of their scorers uh, will at least be back next year. So good luck for them, two teams that weren't picked to do very well uh, in the conference. That's what I got on the uh, runners. All right. And then you also have a little thing on the document here about volleyball. Yeah. Um, volleyball comes back. Uh, they have eight games, five of which you can catch on uh, – uh, the ACC network and another which you can catch on your regional sports uh, channel. I believe that's Fox South around here. Um, they're pretty good. Uh, they were a miss for the NCAA, not quite as close as everybody would seem to uh, think. If you listen to a certain part of tech Twitter, uh, their RPI wasn't fantastic last well, year. To be fair, um, also us. Yes. Also we're Georgia tech. So we never get the benefit of the doubt in anything um, <laughs> except maybe baseball regional uh, seating but uh, anyway anyways we're not going to unpack that one too um volleyball returns everybody on the lineup uh who started except for cody comby who was one of the best uh, uh most effective middles in the whole acc last year which is a big loss but uh getting maddie mckissick back um michaela dab mariana brambilia Ju julia bergman for this year and uh, i think next for all of them too um along with hopefully continued rock-solid performances from their defensive specialists. And uh, Kayla Kaiser serving is always a treat. Um, so they didn't really lose much off a pretty good team. I think, uh, I mean, who knows what the NCAA situation is going to look like. Um, Todd Stansbury noted that they're trying to uh, keep this fall season short enough that they can get in some games in the spring if the NCAA decides to uh, move the tournament to the spring obviously this is a team now with tournament hopes to move on from their great uh basically nit win last year so 
And then that's what I got on them. Swimming had an inner squad on Saturday that they didn't tell anybody about till the day before and then didn't post results for. So uh, really couldn't give you much else there. Um, I guess. What do we got now? Football? Well, I think before we get to the UCF game, uh, let's run through uh, a couple of the other goings on in the ACC uh, in terms of football. Uh, I'm just going to throw the scores at you uh, one by one and uh, give me like a quick thought. All right. Yeah. All right. So first off, the nooner on, I think it was the RSN, Boston College 26, Duke 6. BC looked better than I expected. Duke looked worse than I expected. All right. Seems reasonable. Uh, the other nooner, but this one was on the ACC network, Syracuse 10, number 25, Pittsburgh 21. Uh, Pittsburgh, it's their first real, essentially first real game of the season. Um, I mean, if I, I kind of walked away from last week thinking that they deserved a little more credit than they deserve, but then you only beat Syracuse, which is a notably bad team by 11. Yeah, no. Pittsburgh underwhelmed me, even though they still won. Yeah, and Pittsburgh also moved up in the polls, I think. So, mixed bag for Pitt. Yeah. Uh, moving on, the 2.30 game that was shunted over to the USA Network, uh, South Florida 0, number 7, Notre Dame 52. <laughs> that played out exactly as I thought it would, and that is because Notre Dame is a much better team than South Florida. All right, we'll get back to the UCF-Georgia Tech game. Uh, The 4 o'clock on the ACC Network, the Citadel 0, number 1 Clemson 49. I mean, project that score at halftime. It looked like Clemson would hit triple digits uh, for their own sake. It's probably good that they pulled their starters out and didn't risk any injury. No surprise there. All right, and here come the two spicier ones. So the first at 7.30, and I think this was on ABC, number 17, Miami, 47, number 18, Louisville, 34. Um, Well, Miami, definitely better than I thought. I don't know. It was a fairly compelling football game. I did not get to see that much of it Um, other than that. I guess thanks for the entertainment, guys. (laughs) Uh, I think it's a little early to call Miami back, but they and they did make a lot of their uh, a lot of their money here on big plays. So, I mean, we'll see how they do rest of the way down the slate. Uh, But the final one, and this was the eight o'clock on ACC Network, Wake Forest forty-two, North Carolina State forty-five. Uh, both of these teams might be horrible. Like, Wake had a chance to win it at the end, but nothing. Uh, it it was just kind of a slugfest. If somebody puts defense on either of these teams, I don't see them being much competition in the conference. That one, yeah, that one was a that was a weird one, especially in the late slot because that game dragged. I remember checking in on that probably around eleven, eleven thirty. It was still going. So, I mean, I'm all for high-scoring offense. Uh, That's what it looks like on the surface, but it was not pretty. 
Yeah, uh, that was that's a good way to put it. I would not call it pretty football. All right. With that out of the way, I guess we can cut to the chase and talk about yesterday's game. So, number 14, Central Florida 49, Georgia Tech 21. I have a lot of compiled stats and feels all in our Google Doc here, but I really want to hear what you thought, especially since you were in the stadium for this one. The most pivotal takeaway I have from this game is that they caught Jeff Collins over the hot mic saying the exact same thing that me and uh, my buddies were saying up in the stands. And uh, but a little bit nicer than we probably would. UCF was all in the zone. Every call went their way. I hate that the first thing I have to say is that the refs were bad because that's like the worst type of fan. Like, oh my gosh, why did they call this? Why did they call that? I hate that. Hate that. I don't want to do it. Don't make me do that. But you forced me to do it. I, I don't know. I've never seen a more egregious mishold than. I'm pretty sure you know the one I'm talking about. And there were about. a couple. So I think the one that you're talking about is the one that was in the north end zone yep. on a play that should have been a sack yep. uh, on UCF quarterback Dylan Gabriel. Um, and then he just unloaded for probably a 20-yard pass. Yeah, um, I believe they wound up scoring a touchdown off of that too. It's, yeah. It's and if you're if you got to play against the other team and the boys in black and white, like, it's the deck is stacked against you. I think for it to have been 28, 21 early in the fourth. Good on us. Like it, it wasn't the prettiest way to get there, but. Oh, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> it was certainly not the prettiest way to get there. Um, but the officiating was a bit of a mess. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what conference provided the crew. It was the American. Um, okay. So, I mean, there's a hint of conspiracy, but I don't want to go that far. I don't no. think that's fair to, no, no. fair to say at all. Mm-mm. Anyway, like Jake said, this was a 28-21 game early in the fourth quarter. Tech's defense did a great job in the third quarter, keeping um, Dylan Gabriel and what had been a pretty high-tempo, high-powered UCF offense off the board um, for, for, I mean, for 15 minutes. And then UCF ripped off 21 unanswered points and f- sort of finished the drill. Um, just to go over a couple of major stats on the offensive side of the ball, uh, Jeff Sims was a little less star-like uh, than he was versus Florida State. Uh, he went 18-36 for 244 yards with two picks and a touchdown. I think there's also a fumble on a uh, read option also thrown in there. Yep. Um, I will say um, uh, Jameer Gibbs was absolutely a revelation um, as an all-purpose back and the all-purpose back moniker like that that concept fits him absolutely to a T. Um, I think one of the things that we noticed uh, or that noted in the, in the writer's room was he was great at running the ball. He was a really powerful runner, but he was also really, really good at sort of the uh, halfback angle kind of routes and catching passes out of the backfield. And it, it, and I mean, 
talk about that kick return to set up the first touchdown drive for Georgia Tech to open the game. Like, I mean, this dude had 219 total yards from scrimmage. You you can't ask for much better of a debut. Yep, I would agree. I would agree. I uh, uh, I think the picture of Sims with his arms already up in the touchdown off the three to the right where I think it was our 20 our to go to make it 28 21 mm-hmm. talk around myself um I think that's probably the the best takeaway we can have from the game is those two guys after yesterday they're going to be playing together a long time a long time yeah absolutely and I I think we we talk we're talking a lot about Gibbs here but I think the emphasis of that running back rotation was also seen like we had yep. Gibbs in the mix. You don't have Mason in this game. He was out with a, I think it was an undisclosed injury. Um, yeah. and that was announced at the top of the broadcast. But um, even in lieu of Mason, you had Dante Smith. You have Gibbs. You have Jemias Griffin, who were pretty good at pounding the rock. Like I think I'd have to go back and look at the box score. But um, Tech did a pretty good job of running the ball. And I, I think this is something that we noted uh, when we were doing our preview, it's that one of the keys to success was going to be, and I know that the analytics nerds are going to you know, yell in pain here, but one of the keys to success versus this defense was going to be running the ball. And from that perspective, Tech did it very well. They had a, you know, they had Sims running on Reed Oshin and the other three running backs, and they totaled, uh, looking at the stat sheet here, 227 yards and, and two TDs. Obviously, that comes with a caveat of uh, four fumbles. So, you know, take that for what you will. But it was still a good performance on the ground. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the one – I don't know. It, it was just a more inconsistent passing game, and that's going to happen with, you know, being a freshman. Like, they had tape on him now. I think that will bounce back. But in terms of things that are – for lack of a better thing, firing off on all cylinders. Shard Choice's room. He's got that. He, he's he's right in his ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last thing I want to mention on the defense, and I, and I think this goes both for the passing and the running game, the, the offensive line play was pretty, I mean, I, I think okay to solid in this game. I, I think they didn't get beat a ton. Um, I think when Sims did have pressure in his face, sometimes he was able to evade it, but then other times you saw um, him make, like, I mean, he just make some freshman mistakes. I think the, the rush got to him on that fumbled mesh. Uh, the rush got to him. Um, there was that fumble that was actually ruled a forward pass. Um, mm-hmm. So there were a couple of nervy moments, but for the most part he had, like a decently clean pocket. And also that, oh, that offensive line was able to open up some holes for for Gibbs and Griffin and Smith. Yeah, 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 I agree. Um, the one thing I saw from them, and again, I think this is as much on kicking, is obviously we had some pressure on them in the missed field goal attempt in the first half. But, mm-hmm. I mean, there's some things that, I cannot see very well from the upper north and breaking down 
breaking down line play, exact format, like that really. Breaking down line play is hard when, when I'm you actually have the old in the 22. Yeah. Right? So yeah. it, it, it's, it's tough to even, it's tough to do sitting in the state. It's tough to do when you're watching it back. And it's mm-hmm. even tougher to do sitting in the stadium at the same angle. But yeah, yeah. I mean, overall, uh, I'm not super concerned about the offensive line. I think um, the the one thing that I wanted to see from the offense as a whole, and one thing that I like, Greg McElroy did note on the broadcast is that UCF was playing a lot of press coverage on the edges um, when I when it came to the corners on the wide receivers, and they were sort of saying, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna." play man-to-man a lot um, and basically yeah. dare you to throw over the top. You And, and we're also going to bring pressure because now we have extra people in the box. So it was, a, it was an effective defensive game plan. I got to give him credit for that. And I, I just wish we had seen Tech beating, um, beating UCF over the top. I think that would have been um, – that would have been a bit of an equalizer. Um yeah, especially I, since um, you saw Dylan Gabriel doing that on the other end with pretty good success. Yeah, and I'll I'll save the defense when we're talking about defense, but I think when when we were going over like show notes before we started recording, I noted like <laughs> why did why did we keep them on the schedule more uh uh metaphor not metaphorically, but you get the as point. a joke. It's not even as a joke, but like hypothetically right why are they on the schedule when every other acc team is playing you know texas state or some other random small school right and Mm -hmm. the boys got tested this past week they failed well not a complete failure you know they didn't pass it's like advancing it's like advancing in your degree or degree program with a d yeah exactly like like it doesn't hurt us in the ACC standings. A little bit trial by fire. You shake it off, you go on to the next game. I don't know. Like, not that I didn't. This isn't a game I expected to win until we won last week. And then that gave me hope. So, it take that hope as you is will. A, uh, hope is a dangerous, dangerous drug. Um, but you did mention the defense. So, let's talk about them a little bit. I think they got the, the short end of the stick this week having to deal with. Dylan Gabriel, um, who is, and uh, I think, I don't know if we said this last week, but he is really a, a good quarterback. I don't want that to get lost in this. Uh, he is a good quarterback. It's not, and he showed it in this game. I mean, he had uh, 417 yards through the air out of 660 total yards uh, for the UCF offense. I mean, you look at some of the explosive play rates, um, UCF had 21% uh, of explosive plays on passing plays and on pa- in passing situations, they had an explosive play on 29% of those situations. So when you, when you do things like that with a ball and putting the ball in the air, you're basically going to run up and down the field regardless but UCF was also able to do it at tempo, which was even worse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you put it well there. I, uh, I don't have a lot to. <laughs> I don't have a lot to add. It's you give up big plays, they're gonna get big results from that. You know, 
Mm-hmm. And I, I do want to go back to the tempo thing for a little bit because I think that is what was the kicker. It's if if UCF played at you know the normal cadence, a normal or a national average tempo, I think this game would have been a bit cleaner from the from yeah. the tech defense. But it totally. was it was snap after snap after snap. We're getting the ball, we're getting the ball set, and we're going every single time. And you saw even some like sometimes UCF's offensive linemen would get caught up um, and yep. false start. Like they they overshot the tempo too. But but the big killer was was substitution penalties. Like you can't mm-hmm. substitute on what, when and then get some rest when an offense is going that high tempo because they're not substituting. They're doing what they can with the personnel on the field. So it was it was rough. Um, the tempo, the tempo I have here, the tempo was murderous and that's, it, it felt yeah. apt. And, and the thing is, you look at the, a big telling sign on this. I've realized watching this a couple of times now when, uh, teams play at a higher pace, if the chain guys, let alone, let alone the chain guys, but the down guy is hardly in place, you know, before they snap the ball. That's a blistering pace for anybody mm-hmm. to play it. And and even us as a team that I wouldn't call us a slow plotting offense, you know, but like just watching us on offense versus watching the Knights on offense, it was incredibly noticeable. Like the, just to be in the hurry up the whole game. Whew. And yeah, and, and obviously they are trained for that tempo. And they're they're drilled at to run at that speed, and it's it is sort of as if you like sort of remove our fanhood from it, like just from a watchability standpoint, it's fast, and when it's working, it works well. Yeah, um, it's it's really like last season when they went up against Pitt, when they come up against a really stifling defense where that tempo falls apart, and you just can't put together successful play after successful play, um, and. That I think, that I think is what happened in the third quarter, where UCF could not really string together those explosive plays and those successful plays, and the Tech defense was able to hold uh, or, or keep them off the scoreboard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, one thing I would like to say about the defense is, I felt bad that they did not have a fumble six. Uh, to add to their resume, because I feel like that would have changed the mm-hmm. changed the not the dynamic, but you know, like what how we're talking about them at least a little bit to mm-hmm. say, hey, like at least they had that recovery, they ran it back, like they forced some good. Uh, well, and, and a couple times they did force a, a turnover in the right spot. Um, so credit where credit is due. Um, but I don't know, I. I knew that coming into this, this was going to be a much bigger test for our defense than last week was. I don't know if I expected it to be quite this, like 660 yards of offense worth mm-hmm. the test. So, so let's talk about those turnovers real quick, um, just to sort of give you an idea of what we're dealing with here. Dylan Gabriel had one fumble and also another pick. The uh, the scoop and score, or the almost scoop and score that Jake is referring to uh, was actually ruled. uh, The runner was ruled down on review. Uh, And if you looked at the replay, his, his elbow was down right before the ball came out. Um, 
I, you know, I think it, it, it was still a little close, um, but they did produce, like, like what you're saying, they, they did put pressure on Gabriel sometimes. It wasn't consistent, but they put, they put pressure on Gabriel. The problem is when you have 92 defensive snaps in a game, your havoc rate is going to look a lot worse than if you were dealing with like a 70 snap game. Like, yep. like I, I was talking about this with in the writer's room yesterday. Like I thought we did a really good job of generating pressure and, and creating some chaos up front, but it turns out we only had a 13% havoc rate. Um, yeah. And so th- that's the thing. They run at such a high tempo and they run so many plays that it, it, like these things just get lost and that that it's hard to put up a sustained series of pressure. Um, I, another thing that I did want to know, another thing that makes it super hard is that your corners are give, are so worried about getting beat over the top that they're giving uh, receivers way too much cushion underneath. And if you if you looked closely, Gabriel was making a lot of money, metaphorically speaking, obviously college athletes aren't paid. Like he was making the most of his success right in that sort of seven to 15 yard range where tech was pretty content with giving them that, that much yardage on, on both of the boundaries, but they were more worried about what was going deeper. Um, And even sometimes then they ended up getting beat over the top anyway. So that also was a big, big negative for me in terms of this defensive performance. I, I really do hope there's some improvement there because I think one of the things that we touched on um, in the offseason or even when we were talking about sort of this transition to Andrew Thacker's defense is that there would be a lot more press coverage. And that is not something that we saw a lot of from the Tech defense yesterday. Yeah, I mean, it hurts to – be missing some of the guys that we were missing, but even that then, true. like every, every team is going to be facing that in this year of all years. So that's just something that we're going to have to accept as a as a fact of life, you know. Mm-hmm. All right. So last couple of items from this game before we move on, um, you did want to talk about special teams. So there, uh, we did have that first. Uh, Field goal attempt by Jude Kelly blocked. Um, I was, I don't know. That one was bad. And yeah. I think the team sort of responded, the coaching staff sort of responded to that one. And Kelly was quickly replaced by uh, Brad Stewart's younger brother, Gavin Stewart, who's a, a true freshman. Um, he is indeed a true the- freshman. True. And uh, he now or at least in during the game after that field goal uh, from Kelly, he was now in charge of all of the extra points. Um, and he did pretty well. I mean, making an extra point at the college distance, not too hard. And it's kind of frustrating that Tech has not been able to find someone that can consistently do it in a while. Yeah. Um, who knows? Maybe uh, Mr. Stewart uh, will uh... – get us one step closer to Paul Johnson's illustrious dream of having a whole team of Brad Stewart's. But until then, I mean, Harry had a, had a extra point blocked here in the chiefs uh, chargers game, which is 
on CBS right now in the background here blocked. Like it, it's going to happen to everyone. You're going to get something stuff, but if it I happens, know. I think, I think you have enough data points to say that the guy is aiming his kicks too low um, for, for Kelly specifically at this point when you have four or five of them blocked, but you know, I will kicking is hard. I think it's a lot harder than we give it credit for. So, you know, I'll, I'll let the criticism rest. Uh, the other couple of notes I had on special teams, um, Austin Kent is doing all of the kickoffs for tech um, and he's getting touchbacks, which is uh, different. <laughs> yeah. It's not something that you saw a lot of last season. Um, and then Presley Harvin was good as always uh, in the playing yeah. game. He, he legitimately flipped the field the once with a 70 yard mm-hmm. punt. So that is something you love to see. Something else I will uh, drop in there too, is that like, I know that like the returns aren't necessarily like pure special teams, like the, the kickers and long snappers and whatnot. But like we had some, our, our return game with Azard and uh, Gibbs looked very strong this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just the, I mean, granted, a lot of their kicks went for touchbacks, but just having the uh, wherewithal and the football IQ to say, I'm going to let this go, I appreciate that rather than getting mm-hmm. pinned on the six or, or the eight, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, last couple of – I know I lied. I, there's still a couple more items. So um, in terms of advanced stats, the two that I wanted to point out uh, – UCF got about 16 points in turnover luck. Uh, so there's the uh, most of the difference in your game right there. Um, and then UCF also had a 72% win probability uh, based on uh, my in-house model. I know there was one more note that you had on the game, so I'll let you have a four. I do have another note. So when I watch football games from the stands, um, I'm very much more concerned with the atmosphere than the X's and O's. I feel like that's always been my interest in football. So this is Jake's uh, platform to talk about the game day atmosphere. couple notes. One, the stadium got noticeably louder when the students realized that they could bang their feet and make a lot more noise. Um, and you most notably heard that in the third quarter before everything cleared out. Um, so noise is good. Um, stereo was very loud. Um, they can pipe in co- crowd noise this year and and uh, whatnot in order to make up for the lack of, you know, 44,000 of our fans. Um, other game notes? Oh, yes. The most important one, beer sales and uh, seltzer sales. I don't know why it took them this long to approve that. I don't know what the ACC's deal was. I don't know what if it was a Fulton County thing that was in there, too. But whatever they lose from incentivizing club and skybox sales by selling alcohol to your average Joe, Jake, Grant, uh, your, you know, your, your fan that's not going to be in a, a skybox. Every person I saw walking away from the concession stand both times I was in line had at least one, which at least from my own experience, I would not be paying them any money for concessions if it weren't for that. And I'm pretty sure the same could be said about most of the people that I was uh, chatting with and uh, sitting near, you know, you get, you get the drift. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and based on the skew towards the craft beers, which 
are the more the most expensive option. Tech, you know, you lose a lot in not taking in all the the ticket revenue and the resales and stuff like that. But this alcohol thing has to at least help a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. just in terms of what I paid for my ticket, just off two drinks, that's more than my student season tickets cost this year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do that at two more games and that's already more than they'd cost in a normal year. So go figure. Net positive. Not to, not, again, not to say that that's going to solve all the financial woes and not going to say that, you know, alcohol is a solution to football sadness because if that is your solution to football sadness, you shouldn't be using it. But I see it as a long untapped resource for Georgia Tech to make just that little more on concessions as well as helping people tailgate more responsibly based on what I've seen outside the stadium, both of tailgates I've been to and just walked by. Cause I do, I do a lot of walking on game day. And that was again, back to the atmosphere of the 11,000 in general. I, I felt very comfortable. I worked in the airport this summer for all of our listeners out there. So I've been around crowds a long time at this point, but this, I felt more comfortable at Bobby Dodd than I did at Hartsfield Jackson, nothing against Hartsfield Jackson. They did a fantastic job. But in terms of the distance, seemed fine. I mean, it was weird not having Yellow Jacket Alley and the band on the field and, and stuff like that. But all things considered, I'd say Georgia Tech Athletics did a fantastic job on this. And I try not to shower them with praise too often. I can't let it get to their heads. So, Well, all's well that ends well, I guess, at Bobby Dodd. Um, although it wasn't as well as we would have liked. Uh, so next week, we are at Syracuse, uh, the aforementioned losers of two straight. Uh, that is at noon on your local RSN. Like we said before, Syracuse is not a good football team. No, sir. I think, I think that's the best way to put it. Um, just to go over a couple of numbers here, our good friend Bill Connolly with his SP plus system has Q's at 75th out of now 91 teams uh, with the 76th overall offense and a nice 69th overall defense. Um, Just for comparison, tech is at a 51 overall uh, with the 67th offense and the 38th defense. So significant gap between the two teams, I would say. Um, And especially coming off of the performances that we've watched for both teams in the last two weeks. Yeah. Um, Again, I don't think Hughes is very good. I expect this to be a win, and I always have. But that's a very dangerous thing to feel as a Georgia Tech football fan. It's a dangerous thing to think as a Atlanta sports fan, um, but we will, you know, unpack that another time. Uh, just to go over a couple other numbers, uh, S&P Plus has Tech by nine, uh, I believe. Uh, ESPN FPI has Tech with a 63% win probability. There was no uh, early betting line that I can find. So I know you're kind of hammering the drum of, I expect this to be a win, but we need content here. So Give me some quick thoughts on what you expect to see uh, next Saturday afternoon. Um, Things I'd like to see 
Grayson hey, that Leonard, works too. Top of the list. Jordan. I Mason, agree. Whatever the heck is up with him, top of the list. Um, I think uh, much has been maligned and said and uh, unpacked about the ATL above the line system, right? But I think, and again, a weird. We we went back and forth with the Wesley Wells stuff last year. Um, I think whether or not Gavin Stewart trots out for first kick versus Jude Kelly is going to say a lot about where this coaching staff actually is, about how they manage their players and where they put mm-hmm. their time in practice and all that, uh, all that stuff that we can't really see in the kind of the political side of a football game, right? And I think mm-hmm. that's something where the staff loses me. And I think the same could be said about you and some of the other people in from the Rumble seat is like, where is that true starter? Where is that? Uh, basically, we don't want to get just fluff, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think not, this is a weird hill to die on. I, I understand and appreciate that. But I think if we see a Gavin Stewart walk out there, that reflects a lot better on the the culture and the the – I'm not going to say he should be like a Johnny come lately kind of thing, but we want them to make adjustments and we want them to work on it in practice. Mm-hmm. Not, Oh, Hey Jude looked decent this week. Like, mm-hmm. all right. Like put him back out there. Like I want to see whether or not we make some momentum on our personnel usage, I think is a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. I'll fill in the gaps here for Q specifically. Um, all right. I did watch, I did watch some of their games uh, or some, some of both of their games actually. Um, their offense is questionable. Um, Tommy DeVito has been a good quarterback in the past, or at least he's been, you know, ACC average, but something does not seem to be clicking. Um, this year, uh, I, I did watch the backups throw a nice touchdown pass while I was flipping through uh, all the games this weekend, though. So there is that, but also that was seven of their three points or at seven of their 10 points. So take that for what it's worth. Um, The key, or I guess the other notable thing that I do want to bring up is that, you know, Dino Baber started out at Q's pretty hot, um, especially with uh, some of those upsets early on in his tenure. I just wonder how long he's going to keep it going. Right. I mean, even, even beyond the scope of this week, I, I do think that seed is starting to get a little fiery. So that's that's one of the things, at least from a Q's perspective, I kind of want to see. And, and I'm sure our, our counterparts over at uh, Nunes Magician will have some more to talk about uh, in this regard. But I, I, I do want to see how Dino sort of motivates the troops, uh, gets them fired up for this game, um, and if they're up to the task. I think, I think Pitt... I I think Tech is definitely a little bit under the the quality of Pittsburgh just because of the quality of the, of the Pittsburgh defense, but you can't allow like P- Kenny Pickett to throw for like two hundred yards, and that that says a lot about your team. And it'll be interesting to see how how Cuse bounces back from that. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't I don't know how much. Syracuse football fans get riled up as compared to basketball, which they definitely noted. Do. Noted. I, I don't know um, how hot 
favors seeds going to get, but I don't know. It's, it's defense, a toasty. It's, it's definitely toasty. His team's defense hasn't looked all – barring the fourth quarter against North Carolina, his team's defense hasn't looked all that bad, but their offense has been putrid. So you can't put points on the board, then – Scoring defense is random, statistically. Yeah. And you can only you can only keep a good offense down for so long. I guess mm. th- does that make the question: Is our offense actually any good? I, I mean, we'll find out. I think this will be a good test of like not necessarily even teams, but in the same ballpark. If that makes sense. Yeah, in makes similar sense. ballparks might be a good way of putting it. I think our ballpark is being renovated and expanded, and their ballpark is deteriorating. Is under like on a fire. highway bridge uh, that is on fire. Yeah, just like the Mets this afternoon, that ballpark was on fire. Anyway, that's a very esoteric and very bad joke. That's I think all we have on Syracuse. You want to do some picks to take us home? Yeah, let's uh, let's go around the oh. ACC. All right, I'm going to read out uh, each of these games for next Saturday. Um, give me your pick, and uh, yeah, I guess, we'll, I guess we'll go from there. So ignoring us on, at noon on the RSN, the nooner on ACC Network is number 24, Louisville, at number 21, Pittsburgh. Give me the Cardinals. I also will take Louisville because Pittsburgh does not have an offense and should not be ranked 21, although its defense is very, very good. Uh, Let's see here. Now we have the other nooner. I think this is on ABC. Number seven, Notre Dame at Wake Forest. Yeah, uh, Notre Dame. Not even close. Yeah, this one's a fighting Irish win in Winston-Salem. I don't really have anything else to say about that. Uh, the 4 p.m. on ACC Network, Duke at Virginia. Before last week, I probably would have said Duke. Um, my only question mark is nobody's seen Virginia at all yet, uh, but they are coming off an Orange Bowl appearance, so that's a question mark. I'd still say give me uh, Virginia in this game. Can I take a push here? I push. <laughs> I it's think not end that, in a tie. <laughs> I mean, I guess this isn't the NFL, but the the thing for me is, like you said, we haven't seen Virginia at all this season, and Virginia lost a lot. I, I mean, True. they lost more or less their entire offense um, in Bryce Perkins, right? So I don't know what they're going to look like. I mean, they could be just as bad as Duke is, and, and the the only reason we think Duke is confirmed bad is because we have data points on them. That, that's yeah. why I think I'll take Virginia close, but like, you know, it's still like a 50 50 to me. In that case, you should have taken Duke just so he had some different answers, but that's just me. Um, eh, we'll, we'll see. I think I, I see some differences coming out here. All right. So the 6 p.m. on, I think this is also on an RSN. This is Texas State at Boston College. Do I even have to say what my answer is here? Because that just seems. Obvious. Do you want me to talk up Texas State real quick? Let me let me click into Texas State. All right, it, it's futile. I'm picking Boston College, but I'll I'll let you uh, vent a little bit here. Okay, let me vamp on Texas State. So Texas State has lost two games incredibly close: thirty-one twenty-four to SMU 
and 51-48 to UTSA. They've also beat Louisiana Monroe by, what is that, 21 this week. Texas State is currently first in the, in the Sunbelt West at 2-1. and one. Obviously, that also accounts for the fact that some of those teams have not played. Um, but this is arguably a decent football team that has just gotten really bad luck in two games. You know where oh. I'm going with this. Uh, gosh. <laughs> give, me, give me Texas State. Th- give me Texas State. I'm talking myself into it. Man couldn't talk himself into Duke, but he could talk himself into Texas State. All right. Um, okay, we got to have some got dissension next? in the ranks, all right? It, that's what makes the content fun. All right, here's the, here's the next one. 7.30 on ABC, FSU goes to number 12, Miami. Mm. Uh, I really hate picking Miami for things. Give me the so Canes. don't. Boom. Give me the Canes. Give me the Canes. All right. I also will take Miami. Unfortunate as it may seem. College game day is also on site for that one. And then the nightcap at 8 p.m. on the ACC Network. NC State versus number 20 Virginia Tech. Notably... This is also Virginia Tech's first game. Mm-hmm. All right, let's change things up. I want to hear you first. Oh, I'm taking NC State. I don't think Virginia Tech is good. <laughs> I think there's way too much chaos in Blacksburg for this team to be. I mean, okay, I, I would let me let me clarify my statement. I don't think they'll be as good as pundits expect them to be. I think the number 20 ranking is way too high. I think they'll still be, like, if we were still doing divisions, they would probably still challenge for the Coastal title. But I don't think they're a top 25 team. Because there's way too much controversy and chaos in Blacksburg, and they've lost a number of contributors over the offseason. From that, based on that, I think NC State wins this game. All right. And I think Virginia Tech is just overwhelmingly a more talented team. Like, chaos, bloodshed, not actual bloodshed, metaphorical bloodshed, COVID, that's tough. They're in a tough spot, but I don't know. I just don't think NC State's any good, and I think that's what it comes down to. Agree to disagree. But that about wraps it up for, what is that, week four? Week three? I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, we could tell them how we did last week. It was pretty pretty pedestrian. Uh, but other it. than that, that's all I got. Um, well, see, all of our picks were the same except Wake at NC State. So you and I both got three wins uh, from the first uh, five games. And then Wake at NC State, I picked NC State and you picked Wake. So I got the day. Hey, you know, it was close at the end. And that's all you can ask for from Wake Forest. Yeah. If uh, – you all would like to follow along with our picks or even throw yours in the mix. Leave a comment at the bottom of the post if you're watching this on FTRS. Otherwise, I don't know how you would find us. But if you find us and want Twitter. to make your picks known, by all means, we are all yours. All right. But I think that is about it for this week. So we will see you next week after uh, Georgia Tech and Syracuse. Oh.